0: Well, I'll be straight, straight up with you. Like, uh, my one summer, my one year with uh, Student Works wasn't exactly, it cannot be considered a success by any means. Like, uh, yes, I did, like on the financial side, yes, I did, did make a loss. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't, wasn't too big. But that being said, it's coming back to what I said earlier in the podcast about being like, you know, seeking approval, like, arguably being a people pleaser. I realized that, yeah, you can't do that. You cannot, number one, you're never gonna be able to please everybody. We're like, you know, clients are always gonna want more, employees are always gonna want more, all that jazz. So you gotta be comfortable to be uncomfortable.
1: Welcome I have an amazing young leader. He is the co owner and CEO of Young Brothers, a very successful uh, multi generational business in Outremont in Montreal. And uh, uh, he he worked with us back in 2008, 2009, the summer. And uh, he uh, went up through the uh, had a number of sales experiences before he joined his family business at Xerox, a great training organization, POS company called Lightspeed. Did some did some sales in a uh, in a larger organization, and then finally he and his brother have moved in to take over his parents' business. Uh, we just have an amazing conversation about you know Patrick's leadership journey um, and just just what it's been like developing you know, as a, as a, you know, teenager in our program and now uh, really running a multi-billion dollar organization and and with a huge future in front of it. I know you're going to love this conversation. And uh, again, if you know anybody who's interested in leadership and, and, and becoming a leader, please shoot me an email, or you can go to our, our, our website at studentworks.com. My email is cthompson at studentworks.com.
0: Have a great day. Bye-bye.
1: Patrick, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's so awesome to get reconnected. And, and I know one of the great things about LinkedIn is, you know, we see sort of progress. And I know over the years since 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 you uh sort of left the business, I was seeing you get into other things. And and uh so so yeah, just just awesome to reconnect a couple of weeks ago and and have you on the podcast. So why don't we bring you back to before the program, maybe in sejap or in high school, you know, tell tell me about what you were like before our
0: program. Oh boy. Well, I think I was a, pretty much like a regular uh like you know, I would say a regular teenager, uh with uh big dreams of uh becoming a professional sports player per se. Uh but uh like you know, I still played um still played on sport team, sports teams on in high school and whatnot. So I guess uh, that competitive nature, that want that nature of uh, wanting to be the best. Um it was always there. But yeah. So, I mean, that's on that side, but I would say that um, uh, one thing that really, really, like, as I was thinking about these questions, one thing that really hit out, hit out on me, like that, that came up to mind was a lack of consistency, I would say, um, in a lot of aspects of my life. Um, And that's probably also due, um, and forgive me for going, perhaps for doing a a little deep dive, uh, psychologically speaking. But yeah, like, you know how you're when you're a teenager, when you're young, when you're growing up, when you're finding your identity almost, I was almost, you could argue that I was seeking validation, that I was seeking approval, um, whether it be from my peers, from my parents, and whatnot. Whether I needed to do it or not, that, that doesn't really matter. But just by myself, and I guess just that drive to be the best um, that I could possibly be. Um, so yeah, but in perhaps due to that, like I was pulled in a variety of different directions, like, you know, whether it be sports or BDRs, trying to pretty much do anything and everything. Um, so I would say that uh, going back to before uh, before university and before obviously the student works program, I would say that one thing that uh, really stood out to me uh, was uh, my lack of consistency. OK, OK. Yeah, I can see I can see that. And, and so what, what, what do you still rely on from the program? Several, like a lot of things, I'm not going to lie. Um, the business acumen I would say that probably the biggest thing that I rely on from the program is the soft skills and that is undoubted um, whether it be like uh, would it be dealing with clients like prospecting or whatnot or like you know emotional intelligence like you know sizing up your uh, sizing up your, your your counterparty whether they be clients whether they be employees whether they be stakeholders um, and in that respect yeah like you know everything that has to do with communication, everything that has to do with emotional intelligence, everything that has to do with like, cause that's business at the end of the day, that's communication. That's like, you know, business is about people. Like we're thank, thank, Thankfully we're not mechanized. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's still individuals that are making decisions. So, so yeah, I would say that that's, that's probably it. That's probably the biggest tool that I'm still using today. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, well, that's, that's great. And, and so,
1: so I know uh, we, I know we talked about this, unfortunately, we were only able to have you for one season uh, and, and, uh, and, but, you know, why don't you, why don't you talk to us about, you know, where you went, you know, what you did after, after student works and what drew you to different places, et cetera.
0: Basically I did just to put into context, I did student works while I was doing my bachelor of engineering at McGill. Um, and. But even going into McGill, um, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. But I would always been interested in the business side of things and worse as a perfect example. So I decided to do a, a second bachelor at HEC uh, Montreal, specializing in finance and marketing. And that was an absolutely fantastic experience. But like, you know, there was truly like, you know, it. I'll tell it to anybody who listens to me, but it really made my student experience complete. Like what it being involved, what it be being involved in student associations, Um, what it be networking, what it be learning, Um, and yeah, and so all that to say. But yeah, so but even at HEC, I wasn't exactly certain as to what I want to do afterwards, and I was fortunate enough to meet a teacher who sort of like was a mentor figure to me and he did tell me and he sort of guided me on a certain path. And he said that I had a great, great skill set that I'm an arguably a natural presenter um, and whatnot. But the one thing that I did not do that I did not have the one skill set that I did not have was that I didn't know how to sell. And like when it comes to selling and we're not talking about like, you know, like selling like on, in the retail side of things, we're selling, like talk about like deal making per se so basically he said listen you're going to take the course relationship selling one you're going to win the xerox contest and you're going to get recruited by xerox and you're going to stay for at least two years and that's exactly what i did um so i got recruited by xerox ended up uh working there for a couple of years got promoted once and for those especially nowadays i think a lot of people uh, a lot of people don't know what xerox is but Xerox, long story short is historically known as the printing company they make the big printing machines that everybody sees in universities or like in, in offices and whatnot but another thing that they're known within the industry is that they're known as arguably the greatest sales school there is um, they probably invented spin selling uh but they they really apply the principles of challenger sale challenger selling and whatnot um so yeah so they're like one of my friends who uh um, is now a former uh, senior sales manager at Dialog. Uh, he told me that uh, listen at Xerox is it's the Navy seals of sales, and like you know, want, without wanting to float my boat or whatnot, because obviously it's just a bunch of different uh, amazing sales schools. Um, yeah, he he wasn't wrong. I remember my on one of my first days on the job, I had the geographic territory of downtown Montreal. Um, so you can imagine, fresh out of university. Looking at all those towers, I was at the bottom of one of those towers looking up and scared out of my mind um, because I had to go door to door selling a technology that people are trying to get out of. So go figure that one out. Two SMBs, two, you know, and it wasn't big corporations that I I was working with. It was like, you know, like small, and medium sized businesses, which is the backbone of the Canadian economy. But that being said, yeah. So basically would go like, you know, 20, 30 story buildings, knock on the door and, you know, try to sell printers. So yeah, so it was quite the the, the, eye, op- the eye opening, but also the very humbling experience, And but learned tremendously. Once I got promoted, I got, got uh, to work with much uh, more interesting deals, like uh, would it be like with, large, with larger entities, uh, after that, um I moved on to a company. Here, well
1: let's let's pause there, Patrick. like uh yeah, just and and again, Xerox for a long period of time, and just coming into that space really was the training ground for so many top sales reps and And I know one of the other one of your peers in our program, Harry Gerberg, you know, was there for a number of years and now now's with another like then people move into other organizations and and so and 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 at a certain point, Xerox was really considered tech. Like it was, it was kind of tech. Now it's no longer considered tech. Yes, it's kind of a dying industry, but they actually make an enormous amount of money from selling their sales systems. So, so they're still, still, still a, a really, um, you know, uh, strong organization. And again, just a real proving ground, as as you mentioned. So, so you were you you, you spent two years there, and, and where did you set, decide to go next, and why?
0: So. At Xerox, I was dealing with uh, you know professional services. That was my industry in the SMB in the SMB space. Then I went to Lightspeed, uh, which is a POS company. Um, like it's, I was there during during the IPO. They sell uh, point of sale systems uh, to uh, literally to really small businesses uh, to mom and pop shops. And considering that my parents, like you know the family business that I'm part of now, is let's face it, it's a mom and pop shop. Um, Like, you know, being exposed to that environment interested me as well, just to understand what's the reality. So I did go to uh, go to Lightspeed and obviously Lightspeed being a a tech company at the time that was soon to go on an IPO. So, you know, it was a it was a very attractive proposition. Um, So went there. And uh, there I was this time I was selling to really like, you know, small, small, small businesses, uh, like one location, two locations, whatnot, like really, you know, mom and pop uh, run businesses. And it was a very, very different ex- experience, very, very different people that you're dealing with, very, very different uh, conversations almost. Um, so, yeah. So uh, did you like that more or less? I wouldn't say that I liked it more or less. It was just very, very different different some like the the fun part of about about it was that it was the the speed of things it was much it was much more transactional shorter sales cycle yeah there you go you know at xerox for example was maybe doing like four five six seven eight sales a month there was doing four five six eight sales a day
1: wow okay so
0: it's a very different different different, uh, dynamic
1: right right so it's really getting the program getting this light speed really into the marketplace. And, and then, and then it was, you know, it's like, okay, we need a bunch of hunters, get this, get this out there. People need this. And then obviously, uh, then eventually it just becomes servicing that market. I imagine at a certain point. Yeah. Okay. And so, so, so obviously that ends up to a certain extent, a a company like that for, you know, hunting type salespeople, it actually becomes, there's, there's a limit. So, so where did you go next? in terms of limited spending time there?
0: So basically, then I went to a uh, boutique consulting firm called uh, Agenda, where I was, um, my official title was per se a business development manager, but in reality, I was much more of a relationship manager. Um, so there obviously, you know, there's a, there's, it was a mix of hunting and farming. So both business development and account management. So I was, um, I was given a number of accounts where, like you know, like which were part of larger organizations. So if you think about it, I went from the SMB space to the very very small business space to the large large enterprise and governmental agencies because the consulting industry. Like you know, it's mandates, it's not just one sale. You're not selling like would it be a software or a hardware or piece of hardware, you're selling services. And when it comes to services, there's a big the the life cycle of, of the the delivery cycle per se is much longer. That being said, like you know, I had to manage like you know, what it be uh like a variety of different entities. Um I got to double check my NDA. I don't know if I can. Uh, okay. What he can, can say. You. Okay. All that to say. Yeah. Like, you know, it was, it was like, you know, large corporations. If I give you the name of names of uh, my clients, you'd probably know all of them. Um, and, but I was also a partnership manager, partnership manager with uh, the partnership of with Microsoft and AWS for certain aspects for the learning aspect. Um, so every, like the training programs and whatnot. So it was it, like, you know, you, I met. Completely different people, like much more structured, much more process oriented, much more organized. You would, you could, you could argue with and and I could, see, I could see
1: all those different roles really would have a huge impact in terms of what you're doing now, like being able to learn from all those different experiences. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because because I I think a lot of times uh, people will see. Like uh, employment is kind of a ladder. Oh, I'm just trying to climb this ladder. No, 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 it's it's actually a lot of times covering extra ground to sort of, hey, what can I learn here? What can I learn here? So because because eventually you you, you decided to, to to go back and or not to go back, but to join the family business. So so how long just we, we've had a lot of our past operators actually have that experience you know, and, and sort of, um, you know, do that. So how long had you been thinking about that in the back of the mind or your parents talking about it?
0: So it's been like, I took over the business on November 1st, but the official decision had been taken in around the summer. Um, like, you know, not like late summer, to be quite honest. Um, that was a possibility, but, the thought process had actually not started until early early that same summer now here's the reason why because i had actually been avoiding the family business the reason being is that considering that uh, that my parents are the stereotypical immigrant success story i want like I, I guess like all children you want to you want to prove to your parents that you're capable of flying of your own wings that you're capable of making doing as well as they, they have but by your own means. So I was looking for my way to do that. Like, you know, I have, obviously have my own ambitions. I have my own projects or whatnot. So I was actually avoiding it. To me, the family business was actually a burden and, no lo- and not a privilege. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how I saw it. But like, you know, after a while, like, and to be fully transparent, I actually did a burnout in early 2021, whether it be related to COVID or not. But that that moment of introspection uh, really put into perspective a lot of things. And once exactly like I said, I realized that I saw the family business as a burden and not an opportunity because not everybody is lucky or blessed to have a family to be able to inherit a family business that is already, you know, very well established on solid foundations and just run the damn thing and just grow it. So that being said, once I once my mindset shifted, okay, like at that time, I asked my parents, like, what do you guys think? Like, would like, and so yeah, so and like they the first their first reaction was, are you certain this is what you want to do? Because um, the they reason- want to make sure that it's that's that yes, got it. Yeah, because they didn't they did that not out of choice because that's pretty much the only thing that they could do. I have that choice. I have an education. I have a network. I have capital things that they do. They had none of. So STEM was a question of, of survival. So I am, so like, you know, out of all the possible choices, this is what you're choosing. Like, you know, that pretty much that was the reaction because let's face it, it's, it's a hard life. It's um it, like just, Like, um, why don't you describe the business now and share? Yeah, yeah. thank you. So, the family business is um, it originally started with a um, with just a grocery store, a small grocery store, roughly about what two, two, three thousand square feet. Um, not even actually like uh, in Ultramont. Um, we expanded that uh, tremendously. Uh, now it's a seven figure business that runs on itself pretty much, but it's not like with. That and the network that my that my parents developed with the grocery store, um, like they expanded, they diversified their activities and um, plastic uh, importation and distribution, like plastic containers, everything, everything that you see in supermarkets. Like for example, like you know, what would be the uh, the the little baskets where you where strawberries are, strawberries and blueberries and whatever berries are are put in and so on. Uh, the wrapping films and all that they import it and, they, and they distribute it and obviously there's a just as a safety net we have a real estate arm that uh, that i already manage uh, but that being said like you know our grocery store is still the bread and butter of our family business it's the one that the it's the one that fuels everything else and um like uh, we have been established, like my parents acquired it in 1991 expanded it in the early 2000s and it's we've always been known for the quality of our products um are we the like you know it's that's that's that always that's how always been our our pride the fact that we're capable of of offering our our clientele quality products Um, but that requires a lot of work obviously like going to the market at uh, two three four o'clock in the morning to have the first pick on every single produce. And to see them, to see it, them, it themselves, to touch them, to feel them and whatnot, is this is, these are live products. These are, it's perishables. You're not buying like a piece of hardware or a piece of software. If it breaks, it breaks. Okay. You repair these. If it's, if it's rotten, it's rotten. You're done.
1: Yes. So
0: wasted money. <laughs> exactly. So, so, yeah, so no. who's,
1: who's going to the, who's going to the store or who's going to the
0: market at that early in the morning? Or is that you? Primarily my brother, I must admit, I'm much more like, um, yeah, like uh, my brother's also involved in this. I asked him to come with me uh, because I knew full well that I could not do this by myself. Um, I knew that like, you know, it's, it was, it was too much of, a, it would, it, it, it would be too much like, you know, like, so my brother's the one going and he has, and he's like pretty much the, the chief of operations within the store. He has first pick on all the fruits and veggies. He's the one who double checks quality and whatnot. Obviously I do it, do it as well once they're here. but one, like at the market, he's the one going there at in the early hours in the morning and um, and double checking everything.
1: Yeah, it makes all the difference, right? You know those 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 steps, right? And so the business is called Young Brothers, right? And it's and it's on the West Island in Montreal
0: and Outremont, Excuse me.
1: And Outremont. Oh, two locations. Sorry. No, 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 no just me. Outremont.
0: in utremont and Central Montreal. Correct.
1: Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. So, and I remember again seeing a LinkedIn piece on it. I was reading. Oh, this is super <laughs> cool. So, uh, so yeah, no, that's that's great. And and so so you know, just how's how how have you? set up structures with you and your brother to work well, have you set up things with your parents, you know, uh, you know, to sort of, to sort of manage the transition. Hey leaders. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the student works management program in large part. That's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now, and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode.
0: So the, transitions, the transition, I would say, was done pretty much organically. Like we both, my brother and I both knew our, like our strengths and weaknesses. Considering that I have much more of a corporate experience and, more, and background per se, like we all knew that I was going to be taking care of the admin that i was going to be taking care of what it be public relations marketing all that jazz because i've had time to develop a certain certain network i've had time to be exposed to like what would be the you know the variety of different softwares that we use my brother on 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 the other hand has had just graduated he graduated from from university in 2020 so he hasn't had that time to develop that experience, that corporate experience per se, and um, he's always worked. like He's had, he's had side jobs like in cafes and whatnot. So he's already dealt with live products. So we knew, like you know, where which areas would be our areas of expertise. And that, and now considering our like about our parents, our parents are still involved in the business. The transition is going to be lasting for at least until end of twenty twenty two. The reason being is that, like you know, just in terms of knowledge, there's so much knowledge to, that needs to be transferred, and a wow. lot of things is not just knowledge; it, it's only learnable by experience. Um, so, we've made tons of mistakes. Uh, like you know, it's been six months that uh, that we've been that we've taken over, and we've made tons of mistakes. But that's how you learn. That's how you. That's how you grow. <laughs> so all that to say that yeah, no, it's it hasn't it been planned. Well. In a sense, yes, but let's face it. A lot of those plants went out the window real quick. Right. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it's, it's, but I would say that the transition is done much more organically than, uh, than in a very structured way.
1: Yeah, no, I can. And I can understand that. And, and, uh, um, you know, just, just kind of working through that, um, uh, that, that process. So, so that's, no, that's exciting for you. And I know one of the things I wanted to walk back as well is I know you spent a bunch of time with, with ASIC and, 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 you know, board, board of advisors, chairman, all sorts of different positions. So, so what did you, what did you, you know, get from that? You know, what, what, what what's that experience been like for you?
0: I would say that the, well number one ISAC is um isic is an or a student run organization uh, that is present in a lot of universities the global organization is the largest global uh largest organization student run organization in the world with chapters and it, at when I was president of HEC's chapter we were tw- we were present in twenty nine university pro- universities across Canada. um I don't quite remember what's the number right now but i that to say the mission of isac is to develop leader leadership within within young adults Um, and that's exactly what i pulled out of it there's a very big difference between leadership and management they are two completely different things leadership is how to inspire how to motivate how to like bring the best out of your elements management is much more micro so it's you know would it be tasks would it be like you know like all that jazz you name it yes control like, systems but. sort correct. of sort of yes processes correct yes. so in that respect yeah like uh, from isaac i learned a lot of mad a lot of uh, the leadership uh, skills that are required um to be an eventual to be in a position of leadership um now after my term as president of isaac like, you know, a few years later, I got involved again with with the Board of Advisors and I've been chairman, chairman of the Board of Advisors uh, for a number of years now. And as in my role of chairman, I also mentor the current president. Um, I mean, obviously, COVID, like, you know, it has has been very changed, yeah. changed change things. But like, yeah, my role as when I was uh, when I'm as chairman is to mentor the current president. And through that role, I learned about, I learned about mentorship. I learned about like, you know, just advising really. And it's funny, like now that you mentioned that, it's funny because it always reminds me of something that a very good friend of mine told me is that she said that it seems that everything that you've done in your life has led up to this moment. Um, Because all, if you think about it, like in a grocery store, most of my employees are young adults. They're, you know, I've got, two 14 year old kids. I've got a 16 year old and the rest are like 18, 19 year olds in university. And I'm 33 right now. So in terms of that, like I'm an, I'm like an older, older brother slash mentor to them. And it's funny, I got, I actually got that practice in before taking my position right now. So, so yeah, so that's,
1: that's pretty much that initial. And and having, you know, basically in many ways, that's, that's my role. it's my been my role for decades and, and it's, and it's understanding, you know, the student experience and then continuing to live in the student experience, you know, not stepping away from that makes all the difference, you know, just in terms of that relatability and the understanding what the, what, what that time in your life is. And uh, yeah, no, I think that's great. And, and it's, it's, uh, you know, you know, just, you know, the impact of leadership is such a, such an impact in the world. Right. And obviously that that's what this podcast is about. So, so one of the things that happens with leaders is things don't don't go right. So what about looking back, biggest failures or mistakes, and what did you learn from those?
0: Well, I'll be straight straight up with you. Like uh, my one summer, my one year with uh, Student Works wasn't exactly. It cannot be considered a success by any means. Like uh, yes, I did. Like on the financial side, yes, I did. Did make a loss. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't wasn't too big. But that being said. <sighs> It's coming back to what I said earlier in the podcast about being like, you know, seeking approval, like arguably being a people pleaser. I realized that, yeah, you can't do that. You cannot. Number one, you're never going to be able to please everybody. What like, you know, clients are always going to want more. Employees are always going to want more. All that jazz. So you got to be comfortable to be uncomfortable. Uneasy, like, excuse me for using this expression, but uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. Um, well, you want to, well, you're going to have to, if you want to be in a leadership position, you're going to have to get used to it. And so, yeah. So like, I was probably a bit too nice with, uh, with my employees. I was too nice with my clients. Like, you know, whenever they would ask me uh, to do something like, you know, that was not necessarily in the contract, like, you know, yeah, nah, do I'll it. do it. Yeah. yeah. But at some point you got to be able to stand your ground. At some point you got to be able to arguably to be ruthless. To to be firm, and that's definitely something that uh, that I learned afterwards. That you know, looking back on it, yeah, like you know, you, can't, you Once again, you can't. You have to. You have to learn how to say no.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah one one of the things we actually uh, now uh, have a have a predictive index which actually highlights um, Patrick. You and I have a very similar profile, and that and one of the things that we identify is people who are very people pleasing, extroverted, great salespeople. And if they have, you know, there's, 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 um, you know, low assertiveness, you know, and you don't have low assertiveness anymore, but you did then. And I did then when I operated. And as a result, I gave too much away to my staff. I gave too much away to my clients and, and I was naive. And, uh, and so it, it, it was a weakness. It was a mistake. It was an error. And the reality is I was going to bump into that until I figured it out because it was going to be my weakness until I I figured it out. Now it's not my strength now, by the way, but it's, I'm definitely stronger and more powerful in that area um, and have grown. And, and so, so it's, 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 again, it's uh, now as a, as our company, we identify those people and then we give them extra coaching we make sure we highlight it. We actually show show people that people without profile tend to earn five percent less. Okay, like like margin margin. So it's like I do a hundred thousand five thousand dollars less uh, over a hundred thousand dollars. And of course, then we then we look to because of that quote unquote uh, information, people are like, okay, I'll be more coachable to you. And 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 because we weren't as knowledgeable or as aware uh, when, you know, 15 years ago as our organization. So we wouldn't have been able to go, okay, first of all, seeing that in you. And then second of all, go, here's the data, Patrick, let's go watch it. And then we have our coaches really watch for it. So, so, so again, that's, that's, that's sort of the lessons we've learned. And it's really great as well, that, like you said, you've learned those lessons, you know, to make sure, Hey, here, I've got to be, like you said, firm, assertive, you know, and, and, and just making all the difference. So, so what about th- thinking about as you went from a university student to a, a full-time value creator in the world, what did you need to change about yourself?
0: Uh, several things, I would say. Number one, I had to be more focused. Like, um, I've, like you know, exactly like you said, I'm pretty much, I'm an extrovert, so I'm pretty much all over the place. Um, but at some point you have to be able to focus. Um, you have to be able to make a decision. You have to be able to like, you know, like zone in almost. And one thing that's probably is reflected in my career is the fact that for lack of a better term, I get bored easily. Um, If it's too routine, okay, like, you know, it's like, I'll give an example, like uh, my financial advisor asked me the other day, like, when 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 was I thinking of retiring? I don't plan on retiring because, Knowing me, I'm probably going to have another project in mind that that I want to build. But that being said, yeah, like number one, it's like, what did I change? Like, what did I need to change focus? That's one similar to what I said earlier in the podcast. uh, Consistency, consistent effort. Like, you know, it's it's a stupid example. But just the, the time at which you wake up, I do not wake up with an alarm anymore. Um, I wake up before my alarm. My body is conditioned that way, even on Sundays, uh, even on my days off. Okay, It's just consistency, um, and it's and there's a difference between consistency and routine. Okay, so all that to say is yeah, consistency. Uh, it's focus, consistency, consistent work ethic, consistent effort. That's definitely something I had to change. And also, one last thing, probably the most important thing. Um, openness of mind, especially with yourself, um, because you have, like, I think that one thing that people underestimate is how much you actually have to know yourself before going outside.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Like, I think, I think the
1: most successful people in the world have a really good understanding of themselves their strengths, their weaknesses, you know, what their best course of action is, who do they need to help them, you know, what what habits do they need to be working on? You know, etc. So so when actually speaking about habits, what key habits would would our young leaders listening want to steal from you?
0: It's cliche, but read a lot about anything and everything. Um, because it keeps your and keep your eyes open. Once again, about because you can find ideas anywhere um prime example and this i actually wrote that in one of my articles it was like you know you know on on youtube those ads before the videos that you're watching okay like you know sometimes there's these there's these so-called gurus uh, that say that yeah like you know you want to make passive income on amazon okay blah 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 blah. yeah you want to know what to be quite honest with you probably 99 of that is is basically just you know Gone with the wind, you know, but there may be that 1% that actually might be useful. Uh, doesn't mean you have to pay a bunch of money for it, but you get my point, you know, keeping your eyes open, keep being open-minded to anything and everything for like, I won't, I don't want to say forget your convictions. Okay. That's not what I want to say, but just, you know, be flexible at all times because you don't know where the opportunity is going to come from. Like there's a saying that says that luck is simply the combination of prepar- like, like preparation and pre- being prepared for any opportunity that comes up so the more you're prepared the less is going to be luck but it's going to be simple the op- de- de- ability to uh, grab, yeah. grab an
1: opportunity For sure, and 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 again, the the vast majority of the people who listen to our podcast are Canadians, and there's just so many opportunities in Canada. We're obviously extraordinarily blessed. So so it's 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 again being prepared, you know. So so in terms of reading, are are you are you reading books? Are you listening to Audible? How how
0: do you manage that in your schedule? One hundred percent, and like you know, reading it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like you know one of those things of read 15 minutes a day or whatever. Okay, read whenever you want, but read anything like. Uh, I'll give an example. Pro- probably the best book on leadership that I have read, okay, because it really applied to me, has actually been by the former coach of Manchester United, which has happens to be my team. Okay. For me, it was it was fantastic. I love that book because I could relate. And I'm not saying that it's going to be the best book on leadership ever, probably not, but for me, I I could I could I could relate to it um, because it was very, very well structured. They used examples that I could understand. Um, so it was like, you know, it's how do you manage it in your time? Well, hell like, uh, like YouTube, like, you know, you've got something called the internet today and YouTube has an infinite amount of resources on anything and everything. Like you, you look, you're looking for an, for information. We are in an age where information is probably the absolute easiest to get, whether it be YouTube, Google, Wikipedia, you name it, you can find anything on everything. What are you waiting for? like even Instagram. Okay. Like, you know, like if you follow follow certain pages and whatnot, like, yeah, like even these quotes, okay. Like, you know, they're, they're not, don't like obviously take it for a grain of salt. uh, Like, but you know, like mold, mold yourself to it, but also, and that's coming. if, If we take just a little step back as to like what they could take out of me is know yourself, know yourself as much as possible. Cause here's the thing. Um, there's a saying by from Sun Tzu's art the art of war. Um, know thyself and know thy enemy, and the war will be won before a single battle is fought. Now, I'm not saying like you know that today is a war or whatnot, but there it is very much applicable to whether it be business, to whether it be your relationships, whether it be whatever. Just replace the word enemy by counterparty. Okay, and it sounds better. Okay, so. If you know, if you know, like it comes back to the aspect of entrepreneurship, which by the way, I don't think I really deserve as a title, but like, it's, you have to know yourself before looking to create, like you you call me a value creator. Well, perhaps I am, but like, you know, I have to know myself before I'm capable of bringing value to others, because if not, you want to know what I'm going to shoot left, right and center. And I'm not, I don't know what kind of value I, I could possibly bring. So Focus on yourself first, know yourself, and then go from the inside to out, not out to end. That's probably what I would say.
1: Fantastic. So final question, Patrick, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind?
0: Strength. Strength. I think that is a very, I think, um, okay, and this, I, I I apologize for this, but like, it's like, I feel that are we, we're, we're too eager to please. We're too eager to, we give a damn too much. And I understand like, you know, whether it be in politics or in business or whatnot, especially like, you know, publicly traded companies or like, you know, entities that are in front of the camera because it's tough, like, especially like, like, whether it be politicians or like, you know, CEOs, C-levels of publicly traded companies, I really admire them because they're criticized left, right and center. They're damned if you do, damned if they don't, okay? But all that to say, that, yeah. If I if I were to add, like you know, what I would wish for the leaders of tomorrow to have strength, to have the strength of character, to withstand whatever storm comes their way, and that I know that's very vague, um, but I'll bring back the poem of, uh, of Rudyard Kipling. If um, if you are if like and one thing that really that that's always stayed in my head is if you can meet both success and failure and look at those two imposters the same way you get and yada, 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 you'll be a man, my son, but, uh, yeah. Like I wish that the leaders of tomorrow will be strong, will be firm, will be con- like, you know, but also flexible, like being, being strong, does not mean being like rigid. No, quite the contrary. It means being able to adjust. Um, so I, I hope, because i think with strong leadership we always say that with strong leadership you can you can move forward you can do great things well you want to know that's what i what that's what i wish for them strength strength of character strength of conviction and the ability to do things no matter regardless of the consequences on them obviously take into account the consequences of others, on others for sure on others but on them yeah, yeah. you know be well, ready
1: i love well i really like that and again it's 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 strong personally it's strong like you said Really understanding, you know, a good result, a bad result. It's just a result. And what do I take from it? How do I move forward? How do I create value in the community? How do I create value for my family, my business, my the, my stakeholders, right? And and so, so, so being able to be strong, not do things for like again in our first years. But my first year was very much like you, running my own business. You know, actually. Not having the powerful conversations with my staff members to make sure that they were hitting budgets and I trained them and coach them appropriately, not having the powerful conversations with my staff, uh, sorry, with my customers, so that they asked for things and I just give them rather than saying, Of course I can't do that. Just like if someone walked into your store and said, Hey, I'm 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 still hungry. I bought some bananas, but I'm still hungry. Can I have more? Of course, you'd say, Well, yes, you may, and this is how much they cost. But but you know those, and and again, that's what strength is, and it 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 makes sense, and that's what leaders need, and it's not easy, but uh, that's what leadership is 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 taking something that's not easy, and and but but you desire, it, you want it, and you want to make a difference. So so Patrick, thank you so much for your generosity of time. I, I know how many days in a row were you working? Here saying you're saying, oh boy. Yeah, this is uh, day nine of
0: 13.
1: <laughs> of 13. So, uh, yeah. so, so thanks, thanks for squeezing us in. We're just so uh, appreciative and uh, you have a fantastic
0: day. Chris, thank you so much for inviting me and uh, it was a great, great pleasure. Awesome. Okay, take care. Bye-bye.
1: We are approaching a huge milestone. We are approaching 300 episodes, which puts us in the top 10% of podcasts. We would love to know what were your favorite episodes or best takeaways. If we get enough feedback, we'll share that in an upcoming episode. Please send any feedback to cthompson at studentworks.com. We have created a waiting list for leaders wanting the opportunity to apply to become an operator for the summer of 2023. Our application process for new applicants gets started in July of 2022. If you know anyone or are interested, please go to learn.studentworks.com slash waiting list. We look forward to reaching out to you and seeing if you have what it takes to join the Student Works Management Program.